So you're drinking a Coors Banquet beer out of a Miller Lite ornament, but the that, Miller Lite ornament has an Ale Trail sticker slapped on it. No, the ornament clearly says some oil trail. Yeah, it's found art, I think. This is uh, upcycling, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because <laughs> otherwise call. these would have been in a landfill by now. <laughs> okay. And we just got them last week. Thanks. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kentucky Commons Radio Hour. I am joined here tonight by one David Satterley, John Ronane, and myself, Michael Muller, at Brewgrass Homebrew Supply in Louisville, Kentucky. Rainy day outside. This is the second episode of our, I guess, two-part Christmas series. Oh yeah. For the week, I think we're going to release these in the same uh, same week um, to celebrate the season. We're in the spirit. I don't know. I'm, I'm in the spirit now. We're, we're the, spirit the spirit runs through me. And when it's uh, raining like this in December in Kentucky, you know what you have to say. Say, oh, glad it's not a few degrees colder. This would all be snow out there. Isn't that, do you, people always say that to you? Yeah, I, I say that to myself and I my dog. Yeah. I say that every day. I said, I I said that to my dog today. And them, uh, roads, them roads be sleek as shit. Yeah, watch, yeah. Out, for the, watch out for the black ice. Yeah. And the potholes, because there's a lot of those. Yeah. Shout out Louisville Metro. <laughs> uh, if uh, you listened to our last episode, you'll know that we really received some uh, special uh, ornaments from Santa. And uh, if you want to see those ornaments right now, they're pretty uh, janky now and customized with Louisville L Trail merch and, and scotch tape. They're upcycled. Uh, but yeah, it's upcycled. So they're you going can, to spill. <laughs> you can actually see those in the comfort of your own home on our Patreon. Uh, it's $3 a month for that type of content. And uh, we, we actually, one of our 2023 goals is uh, creating more content just independently. Like maybe I'll review some hot sauce uh, or uh, do like the the world's hottest tortilla chip or whatever. Or maybe I'll like sit down and, and listen to like Ray complain at Monic or something. I don't know. Uh, but you can book club. Yeah. So it's it's worth three dollars a month. Uh, I think you can do that. And uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash KY commons. I can show you how to make ornaments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for a second, a very furious you, 10 minute ornament making session. Do you want to learn French? John Ronane can teach you French. I'm a top, three, top 5% world learners on Duolingo, baby. $3 a month. And John can tell you. Je aime la course light. Je, you, you, uh, je mm, bille de mm, perfect. Uh, I don't know how to say it. a couple more years. And yeah. if you want to learn what he actually just said, just head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash KY commons. Uh, if you can't subscribe to our Patreon yet, just leave us a review. Uh, no guests tonight, uh, just like last uh, episode. So we are going to get into some fun drinks and to start us off. Yeah. Is uh, David brought something. Yeah, uh, speaking of international uh, things, <laughs> we did uh, head over to a one, the Void Sake Company out in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, spent the afternoon over there, learned a little bit about sake and also getting to try some very tasty beverages. They make really, really unique stuff. They're awesome. Of course. In a, in a world dominated by bourbon and beer uh, cocktails, whatnot, sake is truly 
truly untapped in Kentucky. And the stuff those guys are putting out are phenomenal. So uh, we did spend some time in the tap room. We had some cold sake. We had some hot sake. We had some flavored sake. We had some uh, barrel sake. That was pretty interesting, too. Um, But what they did have to go uh, was not a bottle of sake, which they had several, um, but these cool cans. I thought they were neat. Um, You're seeing RTDs all over the place. But now we have Emerge Sake seltzer yeah we got to try this i tried it for the first time at the uh, kentucky common festival uh in frankfurt and void came out as well and they had a sake seltzer on tap and i had never had it before i was like uh yeah and i think one of you all convinced me to drink it and it was like holy mother if you've never tried this it's a totally unique thing yeah so this is branded under the uh emerge label uh so we got two different flavors here plum ginger and blueberry acai um, I really wanted to try both, so I brought them on here. Um, what's unique about sake, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the brewing process, is it's a little bit different than beer, um, but it's still considered a brewed beverage. Um, they they treat the rice grains a little bit like you would treat uh, milling a beer grain, right? But what it does is kind of polishes the rice and pulls off, uh, I believe the substance is called blanche or blanche. Yeah, they put it, it's like a fungus that they let grow. All well, no, 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 uh, that's not to that. Pri- so okay, okay. prior, yeah. Educate so, me, David. Yeah, so I was working on that. <laughs> Why don't we taste this real quick? Uh, but the Ooh, deal being that eventually you would go ahead and inoculate this with a koji fungus. And that's what's going to produce your, your sake. You're going to convert those starches into alcohol. Um, cool part about sake is it will ferment up to, you know, upwards of 20%, kind of like a wine. Uh, that's why, you know, referred to as rice wine. Um, but it's very common for them to be diluted down. Um, I don't know quite down to 5%. That's what these cans are at, but this is a 5% sake seltzer. And I think after a year of seltzers, uh, this is definitely a neat, like different option. I agree. Well, this is plum ginger. This is a plum ginger. That's yeah. the first thing I get off the nose. It's just a nice little ginger kick. Uh, it's crystal clear. I mean, you know, it looks like freaking La Croix. It smells amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the nose is really incredible. Bubbly, incredibly effervescent. Um, man, what is it? It's hard to describe that flavor. So you get it's I mean, it's, it's just very light, very, very, very light and crispy. It's so dry. Yeah, it is. I, although I don't know, like if you handed this to me just as is and told me, OK, hey, it's alcohol and it's a seltzer. I, what what kind? I would not know it's sake specifically. I mean, I can't I, I don't. I, I guess it's just part of the process in which it's still sake, but it doesn't taste like sake at all. No, it, it does. Yeah. If you handed this to me and didn't tell me there was alcohol in that also wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, it's like a, like a Kroger brand like seltzer. But the main thing I get actually is just that ginger coming off of there. And I get a little bit of that sweetness from the plum like when it first hits the tip of your tongue. It's like a sugar plum fairy. Dun, 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 dun. That's why we, we're drinking yeah. it to remind <laughs> us of the season. No, it's really good. Uh, well, well done, Void. And yeah. uh, their cans are fun. Their brand is fun. They're good people and they make really good stuff. So Let's try the other one real yeah. quick. And, uh, like, I'm just curious how flavors come around in this. And if you're interested in uh, carrying the void at your retailer, uh, you should ask them to reach out to Nolan. Oh, yeah. Rolling with Nolan. Yep. Rolling with Nolan. Who also just picked up um, Ethereal. Ethereal. Yeah. Uh, also. At also out of Lexington. Also out of Lexington. We stopped over there as well. Um, funny enough, the, the void and Ethereal kind of very much related uh, via uh, one Brandon Flown. 
Uh, so uh, a little bit of brewing at both of those facilities, uh, sort of some inspiring people behind there. Shout out Joe, shout out uh, Justin and anyone else that's involved because this is really good product. We get more and more, more and more people these days come in and ask about like sake making. And um, I know that, you know, the fundamentals about it, but uh, there's a whole culture. Sorry, <laughs> obviously, it's called J- Japan, but there's like an entire <laughs> culture of uh, different, different kinds of the, what, it, the koji. Is that what it is? That fungus that they put yeah, on there? So, so this, this drink has been made like back to 500 BC, yeah, like 530 inc- BC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is insane. They take it very, very seriously over there, and you can get as deep into it as you can. Anything, you know, Italian wine or craft beer or whatnot. But it's so, so, so cool to see it being made uh, in Kentucky. And like, I have not had a ton of sake. Most of the time, I do. It's at like you know sushi restaurants, and I don't even know what I'm getting or whatever. But there's yeah. just some of the best that I've had in terms of just what I like and getting creative with it. Yeah, I mean, they're really taking the craft into the sake realm. Uh, this this blueberry assay has a noticeable little alcohol bite on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a little it's more much fruitier too. Yeah. I get a, a, the blueberry in the nose, and I'm not really sure how to say acai, acai? or what it's actually, ta- what it tastes like, because it's always like mixed in with other stuff, but I get what I associate with that flavor. It's kind of like a lychee, uh, like light, fruity mm-hmm. f- thing in there. So that, that's really good too. I've probably drank more sake in the last two years than in my life mm-hmm. uh, due to trends and then also me just trying to you know branch out a little bit more excluding this sake seltzer because it just tastes like seltzer water and I don't get that much out of it but like do you think it is like a true definition of an acquired taste I would say yes yeah yeah but honestly, beer to me was too, because the first time I ever had an IPA, I was kind of like, oh, my God, what are, what the hell is this? But, you know, you drink it and you get used to it. It's kind of what you grow up with. So the 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 spectrum of approachability when it comes to sake, at least from my experience, is like it, it's a kind of high bar to just like stand on the floor and squat jump onto it. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah. like yeah. It, it, it's one, it's it's foreign to us Americans and two, it, it's completely different in the the world of wine and beer and spirit. So um that's what's cool about Void because I I usually just will drink sake as like part of an experience. Like mm-hmm. it's rare that I'll just go out and eat wasabi. Usually my <laughs> wasabi eating is associated with being at like a sushi restaurant or a nice Japanese whatever restaurant. Um, kind of the same thing with sake, but going to the void is an experience in and of itself. So if you're kind of, you know, definitely, you know, want want to try something a little different on a Saturday afternoon or whatever, like take a little trip, try a little sake and yeah, you, I think the, the way they do it makes it more approachable than like hundred percent having yeah. to the like options, whatever you said. I mean, the 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 one I tried, the tangerine dreamsicle. Okay, oh, so that, that, that was that, that. You know, like mm. that didn't taste like sake. You know, there's just, there are some old Japanese like uh, sake guys who are kind of like us in beer, who are like, <laughs> oh, these fucking kids <laughs> making this fucking dreamsicle shit. Like, I mean, so that that's your gateway, right? Yeah. If you're trying to like make it fun, make it that's ex- a good approachable. Yeah, I know. I think that's this a is, good I think this is not the gateway. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting my gateway's opening. Your gateway is always. And, <laughs> and there are uh, two sake producers here in, in Kentucky right now. Yeah, only two. And they just opened up within the last two years. Yeah. yeah. So first time I ever had sake in Kentucky was on a hot 
uh, like June Saturday afternoon at the uh, Kentucky Craft Bash. Hey, best time for it. And uh, hot it sake was, is great. Hot it sake was, on a hot day <laughs> with a big barrel of aged pretty, imperial stout. It was great for what it was, but also, oof, I did not need it at that moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I have been enjoying it more lately, though. It's it's a fun product. It's it's fun to experiment with, branch out. Yeah. Um, also, shout out to uh, Texas Sake Company in Austin because uh, I got to visit there. Uh, and I went through a sake flight and it was delicious. And it, like you there, there is a whole world out there of different things that you can do. Yeah. A whole new world. A whole new world. Speaking of our small little world, we should get into some local news. Yes. Butchertown Brewing located in Melwood Avenue Art Center is opening up a new tap room and relocating completely to the first floor courtyard <laughs> of Melwood Avenue Art Center. Honestly, it is. It doesn't sound it like, like a big hat. move, but it is a pretty big move. They're notorious is for it? like, well, we're in the homebrew shop right now, and we've got you know kind of two rooms here. How much smaller is their current tap room than the room that we're in? Public facing. Yeah. Um, about the same size. Third? About, the, about the same? same. Okay, okay, okay. If you add in the back before you get to the green sets, Then you're about the right. That's about yeah. the space. And we're sitting in around 1,400 square feet. So they have a tiny facility over there. But also, to, to paint a picture, if, you, if for those of that aren't familiar, like Butchertown Brewing, you have to go to this big facility. It, it's an open, like, art, you, you artist space. You filmed the whole video. I did, but how to I don't get know, there. People, yeah. people might not be listening. No, I'm watching. saying that's how, like... Yeah, I, I had to film yeah, a vi- video right. to how to get it. Like, the, the, the joke that we always had was, like, I, like uh, for, for Louisville people, the joke was, I know where Highland Coffee is. Well, like, I, I know where Butchertown Brewing is because it is kind of tucked back there. But, like, you go in into this vast, you know, artist's center and studio incubator or whatever you want to call it you have to like find the right door and you have to go up the steps and you have to make sure you're on the right level then you have to turn left and like go straight down a hallway and like you don't know that there's a brewery there yeah um granted he's done andy owner and brewer there's done a pretty good job of making sure people know where he is um but it's always been kind of hard to get to. Do you think it's like when they taught the mice how to do the maze with the cheese? <laughs> yeah. That's what Andy was really doing. It's more doing. like where the slime mold like learns how to grow uh, <laughs> to like the sugar source. Yeah. But uh, I'll, 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 you know. So how long have they been open now? A little over two years. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. So years. the story of Butchertown to me um, is, I guess I kind of knew Andy a little bit, like just through posting in like the you know local beer social media groups and stuff like that but i guess when i really got to know him he was just kind of coming in and he was like hey i'm opening a brewery like uh can you help me learn how to make beer <laughs> which it's like not that's a that's a great prologue for the uh <laughs> butchertown brewery documentary but yeah, yeah yeah today we're talking about the moving downstairs yeah well no all i'm saying is that <laughs> yeah right well i was just gonna give you know since it's a kind of a milestone for them it, my, it my own personal history with the brand <laughs> Uh, but Andy is one of those guys who just figure shit out and like he would ask intelligent questions and he learned as he went and like uh, you learned you drink your mistakes and you grow and you make better stuff and new stuff and he brought on a lot of partners and like he really has developed a super unique like uh, type what? of what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't think Butcher that's town. 
partners? I don't think so. I think he contract brewed with a lot of different people oh. and like uh, you oh, know he collaborated. Yeah, yeah he collaborated. collaborated. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All I'm, yeah. This is a business. <laughs> I don't have partners. Well, so I, I respect him not only as like a, as a brewer, but uh, as a business owner too, because he really does. Uh, excel at like scaling so he started very small like his whole breweries in this tiny little spot and we were talking a little bit about you know minimum viable viable product earlier and like that's really what he did I, I really respect it he makes good beer he's got a great group of people who would come out and drink it and enjoy it uh, and I think the move downstairs is going to help even more people find it. And now it's ADA compliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's on <laughs> the first floor. Because yeah, I mean it's it's in the courtyard there. Uh, you you There's going to be you know signage outside you will know that there's a brewery to visit pretty much as soon as you get to the core of melwood avenue art center or is it just melwood art center or melwood avenue art center melwood, melwood art center. Archer is what i melwood say art anyway. center. but the one way you can definitely find it is if you see a louisville ill trail ornament hanging in the window you'll <laughs> yeah. know you found butcher town brewery yeah that, that's where that's what we do with all of our brewery partners you know we, we hang a, an ornament from their all year round. There, from the fermenter, yeah. Yeah, from the fermenter. Exactly. But yeah, the, the new space is much larger. Uh, I think it's closer to 25, 26 square hundred feet. That's awesome. Is that correct? I mean, I can look at the press release that I wrote. <laughs> Let's uh, go with yes. That's, 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 Let's go with, that's a good size. going to yeah. double. Um, and my best friend Glenn is going to work there. Can I? Yeah, I can't wait for you all to all meet Glenn again in his new spot. Do you want me to just read the, the press release right now? I, Please do, Michael. Yeah. I, I just want nothing more. On the heels of celebrating its anniversary, Butchertown Brewing is relocating its tap room and bar to the first floor tap courtyard in Suite 187 at Millwood Art Center. Uh, the new 1,200 square foot tap room will begin serving its barrel aged stouts, distinctive sours, and other small batch beers to patrons and members beginning. Uh, I'm going to change the date on that one. Uh, and uh, here's what Andy Cobb, Butchertown Brewing founder and head brewer, had to say. Over the last year, we've created a lot of memories on our little second-story corner in Millwood Art Center. But as we continued to expand our brewing operations and grow our following, it was clear we needed a larger tap room for our customers. When space opened up downstairs, we knew we had to take the opportunity. We're excited to be able to serve more of our unique beers to our bottle members and regulars, tourists that seek us out, and new craft beer fans. The new location has a share in the courtyard seating area with our friends at Danny Max Pizza and Soul High Vegan Soul Food as well. Uh, the new tap room will be able to host 80 customers with expanded week and weekend hours. So not only uh, do you have the new tap room now, but he's also going to be open uh, Thursday through Sunday uh, in addition, uh, it, or rather instead of Friday through Sunday. So also, what an excellent press release, Michael. What, what a great press I, release. I skipped over some things there that I need to edit. No, that's good. Tomorrow, but that's that was pretty good. good. Yeah. You, have, you have a real voice for radio. Make me want to go there. Okay. I don't know what that means. I don't know. But when you were doing that, uh, the thing that you were doing, I decided to experiment the way that we do with beer, but with sake. Mm. So you now have a cuvee or mm. of plum uh, ginger. And you, I, you did a cuvee of sake? That's, I was going for a like sake a sake cuvee. Yeah, okay. You don't have it, John, because your glass wasn't empty. <laughs> <laughs> you were gone. Look, cuvee and sake don't work together. Sake, cuvee, but you could do a kake. So this could be a kake. A, a bukake? Well, that oh, you know. I get it now. Yeah. Okay. Well, you just is it good? <laughs> I can't can't stop looking at that ornament. I know it's gonna spill. Here, try. It. Um, I I so I uh, no, I don't. I I prefer these flavors separate. It's a brand new flavor in your ear. I appreciate it. 
I appreciate it a lot. Okay, so Sake Kube. And speaking of expansion, uh, not not every business this day and age is really uh, in, into that, especially in our local beer scene. Um, I'm talking about Falls City Brewing. Um, they're in the Phoenix Hill neighborhood. Um, they invested heavily into that neighborhood as uh, a prospect of Nulu, I think, kind of expanding a little bit and maybe some of the other neighborhoods going a little north. And it's a great piece of property that they have. Great there. property. It's incredible. But uh, at the moment, uh, the last couple of months, they've experienced uh, just a, a huge um, and their scale uh, layoffs. I mean, almost a third of their workforce um, has been laid off in the last three months. Um, it, it's terrible to see. I mean, the, those people have been on this podcast before. Yeah. Several of the laid off employees have been guests. Yeah. It's the hard. former general manager is no longer there. Yeah. Uh, I know they've lost a lot of front and back of the house people. Is that accurate? And then most recently, the social media manager and the digital marketing manager uh, or, uh, that parted ways, I guess we'll say. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard, uh, for economic conditions, but like, uh, all, uh, we see all these, we see several businesses expanding and moving. And I think it has a lot to do with, uh, the management just yeah. taking action and being, being observant. And I think we saw, this isn't exactly a parallel to kind of what we saw in like mid 2020, but like, if you're having problems, you got to adapt. Yeah, you got to move. You got to change something. Uh, you got to inspire, and motivate your people more now than ever. Um, having thought about it a little bit, I think this is kind of my just broad key takeaway. We just talked about, you know, my respect for Andy, but uh, with Butchertown is that he is so scrappy, so lean, low overhead, grow slowly, scale. He's the blood, sweat, and tears of making that place work. Uh, uh, Gamma Fox, you could say the same thing about them, you know, like freaking those guys are there every day. They do it. They're expanding now because of the sweat equity that they put in uh, during their, you know, launch and growth phase. Fall City is kind of the opposite business model. Uh, it's a company that started with someone's blood, sweat and tears 100, 200 years, like when, like, you know, hundreds of years ago um, and went bankrupt. Uh Somewhat, David Easterling, I think, was the local person who bought that old trademark and restarted a brand around it. That company then got sold to other owners, got sold to other owners. And these people are, you know, people who operate investment groups and kind of come from maybe they started their own businesses, but at this point, they're kind of venture capitalists might not be the right word, but they're kind of, you know, investors who, uh, who are into brokers and acquisitions and that kind of thing. And that's a heavy weight to put on the top of a craft brewery which you know isn't known for having like the highest margins in it's not exactly a straightforward investment yeah you know? yeah you yeah. have to have a heart and soul to keep some of the it, homebrew shop is a great example like there are days there are weeks there are months where it's like you know sometimes the only equity is your sweat equity um and what fall city's facing right now is that there's not much there's not as much free-flowing cash as there was when they bought it, and I guess now they're uh, reducing the human cost, which to me is the opposite of what you would want to do. The, the dead weight is, the, in my humble opinion, um, this is just an opinion, uh, the dead weight is the freaking owners at the top who don't care and who don't know what they're doing. What do you do with that if you own it? I don't know. Cut your salary, but don't fire the people who are the heart and soul of your organization that's my that's my uh like church spiel or whatever if you guys have thoughts around that 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the individual that they let go, uh, who is fine now, by the way, he has a new job that he's about to announce, so good for him. I'm actually really happy. It seems like he's going to be in a, in a better yeah. spot. Um, he was the one, he was he was kind of the glue. He was holding the, the front and the back of house together, plus sales, distribution, and everything. And he could see the lar- like the bigger picture. Um, and, and now you have, I, I feel like, segmented parts, maybe. Um, which is not what you necessarily want uh, yeah. in, in that kind of business model. As Sure. And not all owners are good operators. Exactly. And in this case... Oh, have you been on Twitter a lot recently? <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it real. I love, Elon. I love Elon Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think there's a key differentiator there is that like, just not all owners are good operators. And, yeah. Um, whether that be philosophically or you just can't inspire people. Um, if you want a good uh, example, just look at the Louisville men's basketball team this year. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you buy a profitable a business because you just want to like set it and forget it and have it make money for you. That doesn't work during a recession. Or for craft beer in yeah. general, if yeah. we're just going to be honest. It's, yeah, sure. not, it's not foolproof at nope. all. No, I agree. All right, well. But on the heels of that, I mean, we talked about Butchertown expanding, but there's there's still brands out there expanding, moving. Uh, one of them being Pivot Brewery Company. We were referencing Lexington earlier. They are Lexington blowing up. Well, they're they're coming to town. Yeah. Uh, Lexington, uh, Pivot Brewing out of there is opening up a tap room on uh, Louisville's Barstown Road. Um, very busy street, Michael. I think you've been in touch with them a little bit. Do you know anything about their plans? Yeah, uh, I. I- uh, actually most recently heard mid December, which is happening right now. Um, so, you know, I, I always tell people like never set an actual yeah. date for when you're going <laughs> to open because chances are you'll never actually open on that date. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's going to be sooner rather than later. It's going to be within the next month, two months, whatever. Uh, it'll happen soon. As uh, per Kevin Gibson's book, this used to be Louisville. They're going into the old, which building? I mean, it's next to the Cat Cafe. And, I'm trying uh, to think what that was before they were in there. Highland Fitness. That might be right. Yeah, they're okay. going into old Highland Fitness. <laughs> okay. Uh, old, uh, the, the, you know, the, the gym John King used to, to work out in. That's, yeah. what, that's what he'll tell you. <laughs> and, then, and then they also have upped their distribution game. They're canning a ton more now. Um, so like, and, and part of them coming to Louisville. I don't know. Are they going to brew on site? No. No. Taproom okay. only. Uh but they are traditionally, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've traditionally just been known for their cider, right? Yeah, it's a cider brew. Yeah. But I do know that um, they brewed a uh, Black is Beautiful stout with, I think, Monic? No. Yeah. Ooh. Some... We had it. Yeah, we had it. It was yeah. great. We had it that I day. can't remember who that it was, was the, with, That was the big sticky one. It was good. I think we'll, we'll consult the archives. Yeah, I don't remember, <laughs> but like, but the, yeah, they 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 do brew beer. But I remember that specifically <clears throat> because it was the first beer that I had from them. Uh, so I'm curious to see what they're going to be bringing to Louisville and how they adapt to the neighborhood and and our consumers here. I think that entire section of Bardstown Road is finally starting to grow. I mean, again, uh, yeah. again, because you know yeah. the Highlands kind of died there for a second. I felt like, especially during COVID, the Highlands. Um, the dialects. <laughs> uh, but, you know, within within a mile of each other, you have ATG Public House, mm-hmm. now, now Pivot. 
uh, great, great flood, flood not too far away. Yep. Uh, Ten twenty. Uh, they're on their their second tap room, which I don't think we've talked about. But yeah, they opened up a secondary tap room on Douglas in the Loop. old Heine Brothers. In the old, no, that's a tertiary tap room. That's their third. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's their third. Yeah, oh, look at them. And then if you want like great Mexican food, you can go to El Mundo or Darling's Cocktail Bar. If you if you want to pet some cats, you can pet some cats <clears> at the <throat> pet cafe. That's a weird mile. A, yeah. a real weird mile. <laughs> yeah, you can do a lot. You, you can visit. Uh, uh, there's a lot to do. I, I don't know. Uh, but not only that, uh, we finally, uh, a brewery decided to listen to, to our advice uh, <laughs> and uh, opened up in Norton Commons. Yeah. Uh, Atrium is opening up a secondary tap room in Norton Commons. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, as one of our friends earlier uh, said that, uh, you know, you can be sure to... Um, visit them on Thursday nights for swingers trivia. <laughs> uh, you can ride your golf cart, golf there. cart yeah. parking available. Uh, Norton commons is a, it's an interesting part of Louisville. It's still part of Louisville. So I, I, I do appreciate anybody listening. That's decided to live there. Uh, but it's, it's, it's like one of those planned communities. We're getting one star for this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's Norton commons. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is and I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, it's like somebody said, Hey, I really like old Louisville, but I don't like all the black people. And so they up and lifted old Louisville for what it was. And they put it out into the East end by like Crestwood and they dropped it there and they started having like wine bars open up and, uh, you know, it's different, a couple different Mexican, like, like four different Mexican restaurants. Now there, yeah. uh, they have a YMCA, they have an elementary school, middle school. Like it's, it's its own little community that if you never wanted to leave, you probably wouldn't have to. So there was this whole social movement um, back around the time. It was actually a little bit before what's called like, quote, the great white flight or whatever, where he started like leaving the inner cities and moving out to the suburbs and stuff where uh, like city planners and sociologists basically started like uh, kind of basically trying to it's kind of a utopian vision. They were like, how do we plan the perfect community? How do you build um, things where everything is zoned properly and there's the right mix of residential, commercial, everyone has access to green space. And they were trying, they really were like trying to build these little like, uh, like uh, what did they used to call them back in the day? Those like the the towns that they would just build out in the middle of nowhere. It's just like a cookie cutter yeah. suburbia. But, uh, well, but there was like philosophy behind it. Yeah, the Stepford Wives. Yeah, yeah that's a good example. So <laughs> that's kind of the idea. Um but the thing about like utopianism is that it's fucking creepy and Norton <laughs> Commons is just creepy to me, man. Like I, I really do respect uh, the Anyone intention, who's... but there has, I don't know. Now we're just shitting on Norton Commons. I'm sorry. Yeah, we are taking it <laughs> yeah. into a different direction yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. my fault. Cause no, like, it's not your fault. It's, it's Norton Commons fault. <laughs> I remember by the way, but those people are good people and they like beer. Well, and that's the thing. Atrium saw an opportunity and they're taking it good for them. I, I think they're going to they, they they've done pop up events there for a while now. So they know that their beer is going to probably sell there. It is. Uh, yeah. And so that'll be great. Um, and it's just conveniently located for everybody in the surrounding communities, too. Like you can go have an atrium beer without having to drive. I we live in Germantown, so we have everything like proximal and close. And we're like grumpy if we have it's to go. It's really not that far. It's well, like, all, all I'm saying is it's nice for people who live out that a ways to not have to come them people. Yeah. Well, it's people who live there to have to come in here, which I'm sure they're equally as grumpy about as us well, having to go out there to get some really well, good listen, beer. The only other option at the uh, before they went there was, OK, world of beer. Yeah. Whatever 
Commonwealth Tap Hat on, which is a wine bar, but they had some decent beer selections. And Gustavo's Mexican restaurant did a collab with Goodwood. Yeah, or drive out to Oldham County to visit Third Turn or uh, Oldham County Brewery. Oldham but County for, for the love of God, if you're listening to this podcast and opening a brewery in Louisville, get out of Nulu and just go anywhere else. I don't care. Shively PRP. That's going to be the next hot one. Go down Iroquois. Yeah, down towards Iroquois, Southern Parkway. Dixie. People yep. like beer. If yep. you haven't figured that out. Yep. And yeah. craft beer, as Sam Cruz likes to say, and I think we all agree, craft beer is dead. It's about communities. It's about the thing we've just been talking about. It's about having. That's really awkward. Sometimes you want to go. Well, third, uh, yeah, yeah. third space. Third it's space. The third people space. Want third Make spaces. a good community space. And people like that shit. <laughs> and when times are hard, people still drink beer. Or wassail. Yeah. All right. Um, you guys want to try some wassail? Yeah, what is what is wassail? Because it's been it's been sitting in front of us for uh, the entire episode now. W a s s a i l. I hope I spelled that right, but Wa- it's like a medieval thing, so oh, it doesn't I, matter. Oh, I thought it was just like wassail, like what wassail, 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 wassail. So um, you've the the mo- the obvious connection for most people would be the Christmas Carol. Do you guys want to do it together? Um, uh, here we come, a wassailing among the some. Field so great. I should have looked up the lyrics. Green, and I don't know the rest of it, but anyway, you, you're probably familiar with that Christmas Carol. Of course. Uh, wassail is really, as you described it earlier, just kind of a Christmas punch. Um, it's kind of whatever you want it to be. It's some kind of a mold. You can make it alcoholic. You can make it non-alcoholic for the kids, uh, but some kind of a blend of mold cider with holiday spices, with a bunch of delicious kind of what would have been exotic fruits during the medieval period uh, chopped up into it. Uh, this is one that I made for us to try uh, a couple days ago. And it's um, primarily just apple cider uh, with about two and a half bottles of uh, nice cab sauve put in there. I put it into a crock pot and brought it to a simmer chopped up uh, a couple oranges, a couple apples, um, poured in about a, about two quarts of pomegranate juice, and then chopped up about a cup of cranberries, uh, added cinnamon, and then one clove of nutmeg that I smacked one time with a mallet and then threw into the pot. Let that simmer for about 20 minutes, and then I actually killed the heat and let it sit in the sanitized container for 24 hours. So all those flavors really got to know each other. Uh, decanted it out of there through a straining cloth into a uh, another stainless steel vessel and then bottled it. So I'm going to give these out to people as Christmas gifts, um, but we can also try it here. Uh, before bottling, I also poured in one more bottle of wine and then uh, on this one, I put in a fifth of uh, cheap brandy. So it's about... It's somewhere between 5 and 15% alcohol by volume. <laughs> That's, that's wildly different. <laughs> what a range. Uh, that's a uh, you know that, that's a legal swing limit. Uh, it's it's in a bottle right now, so I can just like solo dome this right now. <laughs> yeah, or? yeah, yeah. No, is that so how I'm supposed to enjoy? You it? can drink it cold, apparently, but the way that it's supposed to be served is straight out of the crock pot uh, into your you know family's mouths or your Christmas gathering people's Louisville uh, beer mugs. I wish I had wassail at prom. I mean, they they probably had this you when they like prom? invented prom promenade back in the day yeah, dude, easy with prom. some wassail so i'm gonna go warm this up for us and we're gonna have a nice little winter uh cocktail punch. yeah punch. winter punch 
I'd like to punch you. And we're back. All right. So imagine that it's Christmas time. And imagine that you live in the Middle Ages and your life is fucking dog shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> you live in the Middle Ages. He's not, not that bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably not great. But Christmas time is the one time of the year. So I guess wassailing or caroling or Christmas in general used to be kind of like Halloween, trick or treat. Is it hot? <laughs> I should warn you, I microwaved the shit out of this. Uh, people would get together, like the common people, and uh, maybe imbibe a little bit, and then go around and sing songs outside of like the manor lord's houses or the, you know, fucking duke's house or like whatever. It's rich, rich people. Uh, until they would like throw shillings out at them to get them to go away. Money? Yeah. But it was like a, oh. it was like a thing, you know, it was like a thing. It's like a proto-socialist like way to give money to poor people or whatever and blah, blah, blah. I'm not an expert on it, so if anybody knows the more drums. about it. Yeah. So anyway, wassail was like a cocktail they would make to take around with them and like a big jug. Uh, it's warming, as you can probably attest. Like, you know, it goes down, goes down pretty warm. It keeps you fortified, like to go around and sing for your supper and to get some shillings thrown into your... Uh, so I'm poor, I'm drunk, I'm singing, yes. and I get free money. Yes. This life does not suck. So Christmas is all about. Life yeah. does not suck. I, then tomorrow, it's prima nocta. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, I really uh, enjoy this drink for what it is. I think it's 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 a lot. Uh, it's This is all I need for Christmas, I think, and yeah. I'm good for the rest of the it's day, a probably. for sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it is, but it's not, because I want to finish it all at once. Yeah. If I have more of this, I'll sleep until Christmas. It might have a sephoric effect after you get through like enough of it. Yeah. But, but just red wine, kind of cider notes. Um, you get the spices aren't too strong in there, I don't think. The orange citrusiness comes through a little bit. But more than anything, it just like just tastes like Christmas. It, to me. it does. It, it's tasty. And if, if uh, you're curious about the process, if you want to see exactly what all the ingredients went in and want a recipe uh, that is hanging out on our social media, uh, just check back uh, about about a week's worth of time by the time this episode comes back or so. And you can see how John made it. Yeah. Now that you guys have had the wassail, uh, are you going to do the song with me? Or should we just move on to our next segment? I don't even know what that movie is. Uh, here we come, a wassling. I don't know the rest of the you words. You had I 25 minutes to look yeah, up the lyrics. Yeah. And you yeah, still, still didn't. didn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that, that one's on me. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Who else would it well, be? Moving on? on to Reddit questions. Uh, we have a couple questions here that I thought you two could probably answer. And maybe I'll have an opinion, too. Yeah. Uh, first, yeah. first one comes from Corvus underscore Wolf. Uh, crow wolf. Well, maybe. Posted. Corvus, I think, is the taxonomical name for crows. Okay, posted. you know French, but it's not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Posted on the uh, R beer subreddit. Uh, so, question. If you got a four-pack of beer from a store and noticed it was two years out of date, what would you expect this store and the brewery do to resolve the situation? They gotta take it back. I don't know. I think that's on you. That's way out of code. I think it's so. Like, so you're supposed to go to like Value Market or Kroger and be like, hey, "The beer's out of date." Bro, yeah. if you buy expired like canned goods, you're taking them back. I mean, so if you're buying it from like a, like it's literally a, nice a canned good. It's not beer good, bar. but no. Yeah. If, if you're you, buying it from Kroger, that doesn't matter. I don't. Know, I'm not gonna take beer back. That's okay. But the whole, I mean, this is 
distributor's fault as well. They should be cycling out package, returning it, etc. This is this is a multi-stage failure. This is not a, a store worker that just stocks something. Yeah, like yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. But there's that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer's trying to get Jerry to buy the peaches from the different stand. Jerry says, "Peaches, I know, I know, fruits a risk. I know that going in." I killed that joke, but Mac, it was my Mac, Seinfeld. Mac, the Mackinac peaches. Yeah, that yeah, don't yeah, yeah. don't exist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but here, okay, here's a, a secondary part of that question: is let's say you you don't have that energy to go back to the store and return something because maybe you live like 30 minutes away from your closest store. Do you reach out to the brewery on social media? Yeah, you probably hit them up and be like, hey, you got some old package sitting over here. That I bought would, it. Honestly, that's actually, as a, as people who care about the integrity of the things that we do, it would be nice for someone to let you know. Because part of the problem, as you were saying, might be that there's just not some, there's a communication breakdown somewhere. That old stuff like that should not be sitting. It's two, it was two years as well, right? That's what he said. I mean, if it was like six yeah, months, it'd be like, idea. yeah, fuck your mother. But if it's like two years, that's that's different. That's extreme. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like, hey, uh, feel free to not respond to this, but no, I just want to let you know that no, like, it, it has nothing to do with saving opinions of right. a brewery. A brewery produced a product that they want to be well received. So a, any brewery, if you tell them, hey, you have two year old products sitting on a shelf and you tell them where they're going to call up distributor reps, say, hey, we don't want our product represented yeah. that way. Go pull that. We'll yeah. pay you. We'll, you know, we'll cut you back, whatever. But we don't, and breweries don't want shelf life. They don't want to be represented. They want their beer packaged and sold as fresh as possible. Yeah. There's, uh, there's no excuse for that. But it is a multi-stage failure. I would have to. Yeah. Assume. For You're the, right, but I'm not that guy. I'm just going to drink it. You're not drinking a two-year-old IPA. Oh, I'll drink it. I, I kind of believe it. Yeah, okay, maybe I do. Uh, next question <laughs> comes from M16556, which, oh, M16. Oh, M16, like the it's an like automatic Bond, weapon. Like, or James Bond? That's M. MI and 007. MI5? MI6? No, MI6, isn't that the, like, the London That's agent? Mission Impossible. Oh, God, I'm so confused. Isn't now. MI6 like the English like CIA agency? Let's go with yes. Well, whatever. Put So... Uh, they're asking in the context of Central Florida, but put this in the context of Louisville. Okay. Or, or how about this? More at large, Kentucky. I love IPAs. Lagers might be my next favorite. I don't really drink sours. I see sours are getting popular. I'll give it a try, but don't know where to start. What are some must-try sours? Must-try sours in Kentucky. I mean, I would say start with the Gosa, if you can find a good one. Who's Gosa? I would say follow Louisville Ale Trail. They seem to know a lot about yeah. beers going on in, in the greater skate area. But like the, you don't have like a like an entry sour that you'd recommend. Well, I can't think of any like there's not like a lot of Kentucky wide staples that I'm aware of that are like always available. But if we're speaking more broadly, things you can get in Kentucky would be like Duchess de Borgonia was like a good intro sour beer. That's hard. Hardly an intro sour beer. That's, My first sour uh, was Anderson like, Valley Gozo. Oh, that's a good one. If you can find the Anderson Valley, that's fantastic stuff. Uh, most local breweries probably have a Gosa on these days, too. So just go in and kind of ask what a good approachable sour is or whatnot. Like, that's a I good would, move. I don't really think. I mean, I think I think the kettle sour wave is still mm -hmm. alive right. and well. Oh, um, sure. So asking for a specific, I don't I don't know. Um, for, I mean, it, 
entry, I mean, find a fruit that you like because they're pretty much all fruited now. I mean, Akasha, is there like straight goes that they used to do all the time? I don't even know if that's an option. Um, I want to say Ethereal has one and I'm just blanking on it. Um, I know Blue Stallion does a lot of experimentation with their goes as well. Um, and I was just trying to think more regionally, but um, nobody nobody comes to mind as like having a like a real thorough sour like program that you can kind of develop I'm your thinking, palate into. I'm, yeah, as, as I was gonna say, there's plenty out there. I, well, there's some that come to mind out there that are great with sours, but I also think they're kind of like the next echelon up from like the gateway sours. Like, like Gravely has a lot of good sours. I don't think people that don't know don't drink sours are gonna necessarily gravitate towards those right yeah. away right yeah That's i a, feel like anderson valley is honestly a pretty good answer like the f- little briny melon one that they do or whatever or like the blood orange, blood orange like yeah. that's it's a great summer beer honestly yeah some of the more national brands seem to have a, a very low like three what's the uh, uh dogfish head has like sequence sure. yeah yeah that's a it great has one. more sodium in it than it does alcohol so they do like to call they do like to say that yeah i think that's uh they used to finish those with seawater so that's like not out of the ordinary. Yeah. All right. The last question for the night comes from Jim L I I. So maybe Jim L the second help. I just got hired to manage the taps at a bar and I need to learn more about beer. So I went into an interview thinking I was going to be a bartender and ended up getting asked to be the beer manager of the whole operation, including researching and sourcing for the eight taps and being the expert on the floor at all times. Now I'm an enthusiastic beer drinker and can chat casually about beer, different types and flavors, etc. But by the time I start in a month from now, I'm expected to have a much more robust knowledge so I can chat with beer snobs and such. So if anyone can point me in the direction of any books, video series, podcasts, etc. that you think might help, I'd greatly appreciate it. Man, I hope they give him a budget to just taste through so much stuff. Uh, the biggest i mean experience is huge when it comes to that just just finding out you know what you like what the differences are and there's so much education that goes on to a month is jeez get into home brewing is my answer like well, make some okay. make some beer yeah, you can only make two weeks yeah <laughs> yeah you can come in here right now brother we'll talk i'll hook you go into your local homebrew shop and just have a conversation with whoever's back there and be like hey can you give me like a crash course on beer you'll learn so much uh by making two batches of beer and I'm not even saying you have to wait till they're done, but just the brewing process and putting it together. You'll learn so much. It's such a great education. I don't disagree, but for a commercial setting, I don't know that that applies. I don't know that you need to explain how to mill grains and do You need to learn to- how you need to learn what beer is from the inside out. So you can talk to people about okay, it. Okay, have you all heard about this thing called Chat AI where you can just ask an AI yeah. program to teach you like it's how to <laughs> This whole podcast episode is written by Chat AI. Yeah. Yeah, we're not even real people at this yeah. point. This is all just AI. So are you saying chat AI is the answer to this question? Yeah, ask your local chat AI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 hard. Like in a month's time, you can't really do much. Uh just what you need to do is you need to put, surround yourself with people who do know, um, whether that's friends that are willing just to talk to you about it yeah. for, for free, essentially, yeah. or um, be curious. Schedule meetings with sales reps, sure, because uh, they want to try to sell to you in a month anyway. So they will be happy to talk to you about their brands and flavor profiles and do a tasting. Uh, distributors would do the same. Um, I think you have 
options and you'll learn more than you think. But, you know, you will also need six months to 12 months to actually have a true understanding. And ask these people for more money because clearly... <laughs> they don't yeah. know what the fuck oh man, doing. what a what a situation! Yeah. You're either really imp- you're yeah. really an either uh, really impressive individual, uh, or you're going into a bad situation. If you go in for a bartending job and they're like, "Hey, can you be a manager?" Actually, yeah. in fact, if you're listening to this, send an email to burgrasshomebrew at gmail dot com and we'll talk. We'll talk. Or <laughs> yeah, eight, eight taps doesn't seem that daunting, though. I mean, you can work that out. Oh, no, that's fine. I mean, yeah. that's and you and you know the the basis to cover too. You need yeah, just diversify. A, yeah, a couple IPAs, some sours, a dark beer, lager, uh, and like I don't know, seasonal. No, 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 no. Hazy, hazy, double hazy, double hazy. Uh, pastry sour, triple pastry hazy. sour. Um, triple hazy, triple hazy. Yeah. Just to round it out, that kind of operation could surely last six years. Well, he only has Somehow. a month, Somehow. so it'll Somehow. last that long. <laughs> Uh, and to that point, uh, what do you all want to plug? <sighs> the medieval times were probably really terrible. <laughs> okay. No podcasts. That's not a point. The only <laughs> podcast was the Bible. Thanks, Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Gutenberg. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's mine. Gutenberg. Thank you, sir. Yeah. David, what do you got? Uh... <laughs> Well, <laughs> sorry. Is this anti-plug? Should I anti-plug? No, it's whatever's in your heart, man. Threw me off. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug your local neighborhood Facebook group. As toxic as they can be, you might end up with a uh, 1956 uh, General Electric yeah. fridge that is untouched because some some person. I'm not gonna say hipster, but I could say hipster. Uh, decided that just wasn't good enough for his beer fridge. <laughs> You've upgraded. You, David got the basically it's more or less the same fridge. It's right? the exact same fridge. Yeah, and you it's got it for free. free. That's in yeah. that's and it's painted red. Yeah. So uh, I need to drill some holes in that bitch and make a little kegerator. Yeah, more. Uh, shout out to the shout out to Kenny Payne. Uh, oh, currently <laughs> sitting at zero and nine. Uh, U of L uh, basketball. Uh, I have never loved a U of L coach more than I have you at this moment. Okay, I should have had an anti shout out. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm I'm being very positive. Like that's awesome. I I find so much that's joy. I find so much joy in U of L losing. That's so mean. Uh, they are currently playing Western Kentucky. Uh, I I think they're gonna lose that game. Uh, I might be wrong by the time this podcast comes out, but uh, yeah, shout out to. Kenny Payne. I Love, think they might have like, you, a, coach. like a hex on them this season or something. It, does, it, it seems supernatural. I gotta go walk my cat. All right, guys, we are uh, <laughs> we are late for our uh, Christmas party with Hometown Brewing, so we got to get over to Vernon Lanes to do some bowling and drink some beer uh, and celebrate the community here. So thanks for listening. Uh, have uh, some happy holidays. Uh, we're gonna take off the next couple weeks for uh, for New Year's and whatnot, but we'll be back. Yeah, maybe big, big things down the pipe. Maybe we'll be back with some uh, New Year old ale. 